everyone. Welcome to Transformative Leadership Conversations with Winnie Da Silva. On this podcast, we've listened to a really interesting variety of leaders sharing their stories about a particular leadership challenge they've faced, how they've overcome that challenge, and what drives them forward during times of change and adversity. Naturally, peppered into each one of these conversations have been valuable and practical ideas for becoming better leaders. The next two episodes of Transformative Leadership Conversations are going to be a bit different in a few ways, which I'll talk about more in a minute. And yet, they will contribute to the ultimate goal of this podcast, the opportunity to connect with and learn from other leaders so we can become better leaders ourselves. My next conversation will be divided into two episodes, and they will also be the final episodes for season one. I wanted to look back, reflect, and go a bit deeper on a few themes that have emerged from season one. While there were several compelling themes, there were two in particular which are really worth highlighting. The first one is stories, the stories we have running in our heads that either propel us forward or get in the way of our success. And two, feedback, the foundational tool for uncovering our blind spots, whether we are just starting out managing one person but especially as we advance in our career, the feedback we receive usually declines just when we need it most. Today's episode will focus on stories and next week's episode will focus on feedback. And in each of these conversations, we will provide some more context, a deeper knowledge of, and some skill building on each of these themes. And to help me unpack all of this, I have a very special guest. I'm really excited to have a longtime friend, colleague, and mentor on my show, Peter Axelson. Peter and I have worked together closely for the last eight years or so with some amazing clients, and I've learned so much from Peter, and my hope is that you will too. Let me tell you a bit about Peter. Peter has worked as an external consultant in training, coaching, and organizational development for more than 35 years. Clients tell him that they bring him back because of his high standards for client service his focus on behavior change and business results, and his very practical approach to helping people learn and grow. It's a real treat to have him here today. Thank you, Peter, for being on my show. Thanks, Winnie. It's great to be here today. This will be fun. This will be fun. Before we get into unpacking the concept of stories, let's look back on a few episodes where my guests pointed to the ways stories impacted their leadership journey. First, we'll hear from Dilip Da Silva, the founder and CEO of VDX.TV and Exponential. He sums up his experience of stories this way. I've realized that often the hurdles you personally have, just things in your own mind. Nathan Knight, the director of people development at Better, explains how stories can mislead us. The other part was this myth I had created in my mind. We tell ourselves stories to make sense of situations. And sometimes those stories are not productive. Sanjeet Sethi, the president of the Minneapolis College of Art and Design, talks about how we can reframe our stories. The goal is to take a disability or take what seems like a disability and reframe it as an asset. And lastly, Mandy Pulliam, the chief medical officer at Renovia Inc., gives a vivid example of rejecting someone else's story about her. I wanted to apologize so many times during that surgery when he was making me feel bad, but I decided that I was only going to apologize if I had done something wrong. 
Now, let's get back to my conversation with Peter, where we will explore the concept of stories, how we can identify stories that are holding us back, and how to replace them with stories that will give us the results we truly want. Peter and I also look at the ways judgments, assumptions, and perhaps prejudices about people that are different from us can unconsciously shape our stories about them. Peter, when we say stories, what exactly are we talking about? Because that word can mean a lot of different things. That's a great place to start. When I think about stories, that could be interchanged with internal narratives, beliefs, assumptions. You could use that language to describe the same thing. Mm -hmm. Stories tend to fit into three categories. Stories about me, who I am, my trajectory, stories about other people in terms of their capabilities, their potential. And then the third category of stories that I see a lot is really not about me or about you, but it's about how things are and about what's possible and about constraints in systems and what's possible in organizations, that kind of thing. So that's how I think about it. That's helpful to unpack that for people to understand what we're talking about and how to break those down. So from the clients that you've worked with, what stories have you found to be the most common? What are the things that kind of rise to the top over and over again in the clients that you've worked with over the years? They probably fit into two categories. The first would be stories about other people. It's really common for us to develop assumptions and beliefs and narratives about other people. What happens is we'll have a quick interaction with someone or we get a little bit of data or we experience something that disappoints us, right? Someone does something that doesn't quite meet the bar. And unconsciously, we start to develop a view about who they are, what they're good at, what they're not good at, how much they can help me or not about their potential, this kind of thing. That's a really common one. Another one has to do with about how things are. I'm working with lots of leaders. They've got um, assumptions baked into their everyday operating in the organization that are reflective of limits. For example, let's say work-life balance. Their assumption, their belief is that they have to work 16 hours a day in order to be successful. That's the expectation. Whereas if you take that and pressure test it with other people in the organization, you'll find that assumption falls apart pretty quickly. Those are two that are really common. Could we walk through an example of a story? And then what's the process of uncovering that story? I think that's part of What's challenging about this process is figuring out what the true story is. I feel like there's a lot of layers. Do you find that to be true? When a client comes to me looking for help, usually they come to me because they are not getting the results on some dimension. So they want to get better results. I encourage them to take a piece of paper and write down three words on the same line. So on the left, it'd be stories. And then to the right of that is behavior. And to the right of that is results. Okay. First, I'll ask them to talk about what it is they'd like to change, the results they'd like to see, how those are different from where they are now. Then I'll ask them to talk about the behaviors. What are you doing now that you think is contributing to those results that you're getting? An example of a result could be they're working too many hours. It could be a relationship with a key colleague that's gone sideways. It could be their performance is not what they'd like it to be. Okay, so let's back up here a minute. You have a story and that story leads to certain behaviors. And then those behaviors lead to certain results, right? Now, when your clients come to talk to you, are they talking about their stories? Are they talking about their behaviors? Where do they start? Uh, the prompt for them to come talk to me, the presenting problem, if you will, is rarely about problems with their behavior. That's not their starting point. Their starting point is they want a different result of some sort. So step one is asking them to describe the, the result that they're getting that they want to change. And then we can start to unpack the behaviors. Just to be clear, 
this process that I'm describing, this is really hard work, yeah. right? Some of this is unconscious. That's right. Sort out the results and start to do a deep dive into behavior. So I'll ask open-ended questions. What are the things that you're doing now that you think might be contributing to some of those results that you'd like to change? That's hard because it requires a look inside and some things are disappointing and embarrassing and packing it is not necessarily something that we love to do. But this is where it gets interesting. So we can describe the results, we can describe the behavior. And this is where the really hard work begins. I'll ask them, what are the assumptions, beliefs, stories, internal narratives, whatever language happens to resonate mm -hmm. that you think are driving those behaviors? And this is the part that's tough because oftentimes these stories, these internal narratives, they're not conscious at all. That's right. Right. I'll give you an example. I was coaching a leader and the issue there was her upward feedback was pretty bad. Members of her teams really didn't enjoy working with her. Hmm. She wanted to get into a situation where she was getting better feedback from her team. And so we talked about some of the behaviors. She was getting frustrated with team members whose performance wasn't great. If she was disappointed with what they were producing, she would do it instead. So she was staying up all night getting exhausted. So there was this doom loop of her being disappointed with the work of the folks on her team taking the work back, doing it herself, getting exhausted. Because she was always tired, she was increasingly impatient with people. So you can see how that plays out. Yeah. So I gave her a homework assignment, but when she finds herself in those situations where she's inclined to take the work back and when she's getting frustrated, to stop and pause and to try to think a little bit about what is it that's going on in her head in terms of her internal narrative that's driving her to want to do those things. In our next coaching session, the, the thing she said first was really pretty profound. She said, one of my internal narratives is that I'm smarter than everybody on my team. Wow. Right? And so you can imagine how that might drive behavior. Another existing story that she carried was the only way the work was going to get done really well to her standard it was if she did it herself. <laughs> I like that example and I like your step-by-step. -step. It's interesting because stories drives behavior which lands the results, but the way you work with people, you go to results first, unpack behaviors, and then get to stories. It's easy to say stop and pause and think. I'm imagining that for a lot of people that might take several tries. I would say more than several. Okay. <laughs> yeah. This is really hard work. It's oftentimes two steps forward, one step back, because it's one thing to identify the behaviors that are giving you the results that you don't want. And it's another thing to start to develop awareness of your beliefs and your stories and things like this. But it's, it's another thing to start to adopt new stories that are going to give you different behaviors that are going to give you different results. The starting point, really, it all boils down to self-awareness and pay attention to those situations where they're behaving in a way that they want to change. That's the place to catch themselves. Mm. For example, with this person I was coaching, the next time she finds herself getting frustrated with the work of one of her team members and she's about to take the work back, right? That's the moment of truth because there's an opportunity right there to make a different choice. It's not just stopping, reflecting, and thinking, although that's super important, but it's noticing yourself in the behavior at the moment and realizing it's happening right now. And then in that moment, being able to reflect and say, why am I doing this? Or, or what am I thinking about as I do it? Yeah, because if you can catch yourself in that moment, then you can say, ah, here I am, here I go. And <laughs> that's the time when you can choose a new behavior that should give you better outcomes mm -hmm. over an old behavior that's not been giving you good outcomes. Starting to develop a, a really good sense of self, really good awareness about not just the stories, but also the behaviors. So you can catch yourself in those moments and start to make new choices.
in my experience in doing the same work with clients, not all the time, but sometimes those stories are deeply rooted in childhood stuff or the way they've always thought about themselves, not just today or the last few years, which makes it probably even harder to unpack those stories. Have, have you found that to be true as well? Yes, 100%. And I think that the reason this work is so hard, number one, is our stories are unconscious and it takes a while being curious about myself as a leader, about my behavior, about the results I'm getting. I encourage people to think about this as a journey of curiosity. I like that. To start to better understand the connection between those three things, the stories, the behavior, and the results. Because once you expose people to that way of thinking, many people become very curious and they start to think, oh, hmm. so I just did something that didn't produce the outcome that I wanted. And the question they start asking themselves is, why did I do that? Getting to a point where you can be curious about this connection between the internal narratives or your stories and how you behave on a day-to-day -day basis, that's the exciting and hard exploration. Yeah. I like that journey of curiosity. I like the way you frame that because it can easily go into, this is punitive. Like I have to change my behavior and I'm doing things that are wrong. And why is that? And that can really get in the way of being self-aware and being gentle with yourself, but seeing it as a journey of curiosity, which in my experience and for a lot of people, it goes beyond work, right? The work that we do in coaching people and, and helping people learn and grow is that whatever is happening at work, usually it starts to expand into other parts of their life. Why do you think stories are so powerful? What is it about stories that drive behavior and results in ways that are unconscious, that are embedded in what we do? Stories as drivers of our behavior, they're pretty fundamental to who we are. For example, this person I was talking about, she's a very smart person, brilliant by many measures. And her view had been reinforced for a long time. She's smart, well-educated, on some dimensions was performing really well in this organization, on other dimensions really poorly. Her beliefs that I'm really smart, I'm smarter than everybody on my team, I'm smarter than most of the people in this organization, that's a pretty fundamental piece of who she is. And those are really hard things to change because they've been around for a long time and they've been reinforced for a long time. And in some respects, they've helped her be successful. But in this case, they're getting her in trouble. Have you noticed any differences around stories and the stories people have when it comes to gender differences between men and women or race or ethnicity or LGBTQ? Have you noticed that those stories are maybe different I think the place where this shows up, mm -hmm. and I wouldn't necessarily attribute it to any of those specific categories of folks you've just described there, mm -hmm. but one of the things that happens a lot is when we encounter people who are different from us, the fact that they are different from me and they might look different, they might think differently, they might behave differently, they might have different um, norms, cultural norms, organizational norms, the fact they're showing up as different on my radar screen increases the likelihood that we're going to judge them in ways that are not helpful. Mm -hmm. So how does that show up in our stories? Asking about here is a really broad generalizations and stereotypes, mm -hmm. which I think is tricky here. I think it is tricky because people have a story about other people's stories in terms of stereotypes or assumptions about people. And then you're having to unpack someone else's story that maybe they're projecting on you, but yet you still have to figure out how do you manage your own story? How do you manage your own behavior and results? The part about them projecting their stories on me, mm -hmm. I think the model starts to fall apart a little bit there. Okay. The way I think about this, and, and you can apply this to lots of different dimensions of being different. It could be 
gender, it could be race, it could be ethnicity, it could be Myers-Briggs type, mm -hmm. could be educational background, it mm -hmm. could be socioeconomic category and things like this. Mm -hmm. Geography, right? Geography, yeah. My experience is that most people are more comfortable with people who are like me than dissimilar to me. Yes. That for me just feels like a universal truth. In situations where we're more comfortable with people who are like me and less comfortable with people who are not like me, what I see happening is that the stories about who this other person is develop fairly quickly without much robust data. And those stories get in the way of relationships and working together effectively. Because what's happening is sometimes consciously, but unconsciously, we're very quickly judging people mm -hmm. based on nothing other than they're different than me. Yeah. It's an interesting perspective and it would be interesting to explore stories as it relates to people who are quote unquote in the minority and what's the dominant story around what makes a good employee or who's the right cultural fit for this company. And then how do you fit into that story or not? I think there are some connections to this model about how do the stories other people have about me influence my story about myself? What's my story versus someone else's story? And maybe that's just part of the layers that you have to untangle as you do this work. To your point, I, I do think oftentimes our stories about other people are laden with judgment. And so when you think about what are the roots of that judgment, oftentimes it's nothing more than a difference. It's a way in yeah. which that person is dissimilar to me. I see that as an issue, and that's going to become a part of the story that I start to develop about that person, and that's going to get in the way of my interactions and collaboration with them. It goes back to this journey of curiosity, being curious about putting aside my assumptions or my judgments and being open to other possibilities or other ways of seeing that person or their intentions or how they might see the world and being open to that and being curious about it. No, I think that's right. I think there's some great questions you could ask yourself if you wanted to explore this. What are the judgments that I'm making about this person? Mm -hmm. On what are those judgments based? How are those judgments that I'm making impacting my relationship with that person? What alternate beliefs might be more appropriate yes. <laughs> about that person, this kind of thing. Oh, I like that. That's good. So much of this issue about stories and internal narratives is based on the judgments that we make about others. And if you can get to a place where you're not only looking at your behavior, but taking a really good, honest look at the judgments that you're making about other people and what those things are based on, that can be a very fruitful line of being curious here. Yeah. But the other thing is, and this is your point earlier about why this territory is so hard. Getting to a place where we can be really honest with ourselves about the judgments that we're making about other people, that's hard work. Yeah, because it's so embedded in who we are and what we do on an everyday basis. And some of it is helpful on some level. We have to make judgments about people in order to function. But mostly, a lot of times, those judgments are really getting in the way of us being able to connect with people, work well with people. Because if you're making judgments or assessments of another person that are not good, and it could be about their capabilities or their potential. Then the next step is that they're less likely to trust them. They're less likely to respect them. And sometimes what that's based on is one really tiny data point yeah. that some people could say is really irrelevant, but we turn it into a big thing. That's right. What's the one, maybe two things that are the most important thing from this conversation? 
two things. I would encourage people to find a way to write down those three things, the stories, behaviors, and the results. Just starting to think in those terms has been really helpful for lots of people. And then the second piece is just to be curious about those things by themselves and the relationship between those things. When you start to think about things differently and start to be curious, that leads to new insights and new possibilities for leaders. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Transformative Leadership Conversations with me, your host, Winnie Da Silva. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Peter Axelson as we unpack together the idea of how stories about ourselves, other people, and the way things are can influence our behavior and therefore our results. I look forward to sharing the second half of my conversation with Peter next week, where we will discuss feedback, why getting honest and consistent feedback is a game changer for leaders, and some of the critical components of being able to get good feedback, such as creating safety. We will certainly have another transformative leadership conversation next week. To learn more about my work in executive coaching, leadership development, and team effectiveness, check out my website at www.winniedasilva.com or you can email me at winnie at I'd also love to connect with you on LinkedIn. Reach out and tell me what was helpful about today's episode or tell me about any other suggestions you have for my show. Thank you.